So job crafting in its simplest form is taking accountability and feeling empowered to mold your job to be best fit for you. It's just aligns with your personal values and the path for your career. Hey there, this is Bev. I'll be the host of People at Work today. People at Work is a podcast that was created by Jostle. And Jostle is building an employee intranet that helps people be connected to all the things that matter to them at work every day. And while we're thinking about building a piece of technology to help people be connected, we're also thinking about what's actually happening for people at work. And that's why we have conversations like the one I'm going to have today to help us shed light on what leaders and other folks around the world are thinking about in terms of creating amazing cultures where people can really thrive in their workday. My guest today is Dr. Benjamin Ritter. Uh, Benjamin is a leadership and career coach and founder of Live For Yourself Consulting. Benjamin has a background in organizational leadership, entrepreneurship, coaching, interpersonal skill development, and healthcare. He regularly speaks on his own podcast and on others, mainly focused on the areas of self-leadership as it relates to starting a business, pivoting a career, or navigating leadership as a whole. Today, we're going to talk about one of Benjamin's passions, crafting a job you love. So welcome to the show, Benjamin. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. I am pumped. I literally just like got really excited when you said the word job crafting because not many people talk about it. And then just, ah, okay. I feel like I'm in the kitchen. I'm ready to go. Yeah, awesome. As I was preparing for this conversation, I was uh, chatting with a colleague of mine and he asked me um, who I was talking to today because I told him I had a podcast interview and I was I was sharing your background with him. And um, I was telling him how intrigued I was that you talk about job crafting rather than career development. So I'm really looking forward to unpacking that with you today. But uh, before we do that, I'd love it if you could give the audience uh, the quick two minute background to your own career path and how did you arrive at this place where you you knew you had to approach this big naughty problem in a different way? Two minutes is pretty short for all the twists and turns because I'll tell you it was not a normal career path to say the least. I've you know I was searching for a full-time job out of grad school during a lovely recession and had a lot of job offers offered and then taken away after signing on the dotted line happened four times. And so during that space, I pretty much worked did everything. <laughs> I was, uh, I worked music festivals. I was a live cast model, which you don't know what that is. They pour plaster over you for mannequins. So I have mannequins with my face on them in different places in the world. I handed out flyers on street corners. I did, you, know, you name it, I, I did it. So I've experienced a lot of different jobs. Uh, but then ended up in healthcare where I never actually thought I'd end up and loved it for a few years and then got promoted into an executive level position because usually when you're good at your job, they give you more work as a reward and then also promote you into a leadership position. And that promotion ended up really taking away a lot of the things that I loved about my work. And I became pretty resentful towards my employer for it and didn't know uh, what I know now then and really pushed away from the people I was working with. I did not volunteer for work that I should have been volunteering for. I burned bridges and I really prevented the ability to create career capital. And luckily I was walking into work one day and felt like the, the world was on my shoulders. I was dreading going into yet another day at a job that I hated. You know, mind you, I could walk there. So <laughs> it's a pretty good job. <laughs> um, um, but as I was walking into work, I was looking around and it, it felt like everyone else 
was looking back, like looking back at me with the same feelings. Like I was almost seeing myself and everybody. And at that time I, I was a, a researcher and an advocate and a coach in the personal development field. I was side hustling in a different, uh, in the business as well. And I, I knew that I was the one creating my own environment, that I was responsible for my own emotions, but it didn't hit me that I was doing that for my professional career as well. And which was, which was kind of mind boggling. Cause at that time too, I was, I was selected for 16 months of leadership training and had my own leadership coach. And so it, like the fact that this kind of took me by surprise really made me stop and think, okay, where, where am I going? Why have I been reacting to opportunities in my career and not creating them? And how do I create the path forward? And that, you know, it's a long process to where I am today, but that led me to going back and getting my doctorate to volunteering for positions that I wanted to do within my current jobs or actually, actually tried to craft it. Um, but there were some roadblocks there. What I thought was going to work didn't work. Um, and the easiest path, the path of least resistance to doing what I wanted to do ended up having to be me leaving healthcare and creating my own company and building Live For Yourself Consulting into what it is today. There's a few things in there that I wanted to just dig into a little bit, and they both probably relate to what I'm sensing is some intentionality that you have around job crafting. Um, so maybe before we start to sort of unfold this, um, maybe just give us your working definition of what job crafting is, and then I'll dig into the, the couple of questions that I have. So job crafting in its simplest form is taking accountability and feeling empowered to mold your job to be best fit for you. So to match the work you want to do, the meaning that you feel behind the work, the social context of the work, ultimately it's just aligns with your personal values, your professional values, and the path that you want to go on for your career. It fits into your career sweet spot, which ultimately always evolves as you move forwards in your career at different times, but it's best suited for you. It's not bound by a job description. Someone doesn't tell you to do it this way, which I think often we tend to to limit ourselves by what we think a job should be or what we expect someone to expect of a job. Yeah, absolutely. So my first question then for you is, there's this feeling that I get with regards to being responsible for yourself and it's very much self-driven or self-empowered. Um, would you say that's accurate? 100%. We are responsible for everything that has to do with us. You know, we go into organizations, into jobs, and you're just kind of giving them ownership over your professional journey, over the two or three years that you're going to be there or seven years or 10 years. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me to say, okay, now you have the responsibility for my success as a professional. Like I had a client today and they were discussing how the organization that they're now working for, which they love, doesn't have a professional track for their, for their job title. And so they feel at, at a loss in terms of what to do because they've never been in an unstructured organization without a clear path for their professional growth. And so they were demotivated. They were becoming resentful and stressed. They felt disconnected from their manager. And we just had a quick discussion about, well, why does someone have to give you that path? Why do we expect organizations to give us that path? 
And if we do that, if we rely on organizations to do that, then how much are we limiting our own professional growth to be based on the definition of someone who doesn't know you, who doesn't care about you really, and, and doesn't um, have any sort of understanding of what your vision is for your, for your own career? So that leads me to my second question around the role of organizations or places of work where people find themselves. So how do we then arrive at a win-win place where employees or individuals are able to craft their own jobs, but organizations are able to support individuals in their very unique need that they might have to grow their career? Because there is, in many organizations and maybe many professions, there are some very distinct tracks that you follow. Um, and maybe it depends on your career choice. Like if you want to be a lawyer, there's a very, very set path that you're going to have to walk in order to be a lawyer and pass the bar and practice as a lawyer. But what do organizations do to help people actually realize their job crafting um, dreams or um, help them to actually be who they want to be without dictating what it is they should be. And so I want to quickly identify the difference between job crafting and career development. So career development would be, I want to be a senior title, or I want to, I want to work in this department, or I want to, you know, it's status focused. Yeah. And job crafting is more so how do you take the job you're in right now and mold it to be best fit towards your strengths and interests and passions. And so for an organization, that's not really, you're not completely changing the job. Like the person that is, is responsible for widgets, it's still going to make widgets, but how that person makes widgets is going to be different. So when you, when you look at job crafting, there's three main components. You have the actual work someone works on. And so what work does someone really truly love to do? What are they great at? And what do they dislike? That doesn't mean that someone is going to completely dislike, you know, stop doing the work they dislike. But what you could do as a leader, if you, in an organization, if you know what work someone doesn't like, you could you could move it off. You could stop it. You could adjust how they do it. But if none of those are possible, you could just recognize them for doing it. And by providing greater levels of recognition on work that someone dislikes, you are now anchoring positive emotions to something that that person doesn't like doing. You could also ensure that when they do that work, maybe they do it from home. I know that's weird right now to say because everyone's working from home. <laughs> or maybe you ensure that they do that type of work on a day where they don't have a lot of meetings or a day where you have some sort of connection activity between other team members. So you're sandwiching in work that someone doesn't like with work that they do like. And so you see how someone can actually craft the actual work that they're doing and still have the same product and outcome, but feel better about it. Yeah, thank you for sort of teasing apart the difference there between the job crafting and the, the career development. And I guess, let me ask you this then, how different then is creating an, an individual employee experience from job crafting? So maybe I think it's exactly that. I think, I, I, honestly, though, I'm of, I'm of the opinion that all leadership should be crafting an individual employee experience. I think leadership needs that humanistic touch, especially if you want to motivate and engage your employees. You can't do a cookie cutter situation that's also not going to retain your employees in a way that is going to be sustainable. Uh, you have to get to know 
who is working for you. And it, it's not that extensive. It literally just means instead of just communicating with them, this is what you need to do, or this is what you've done wrong. It's saying, what do you like to do? <laughs> you know, who do you like to work with? Why are you in this position? Why are you at this organization? And then using that information that you have gleaned from simple conversations to help help them volunteer for the right projects, help them mold their work styles, help, make, help them connect with individuals that feel maybe the same way about the meaning of the work so that's highlighted within, within their daily work itself. Uh, I think that's needed. I, and I, it, it's, it sounds like a lie because a lot of times leaders will say, I don't have time for that. And they say, well, let's talk about where you're spending your time and figure out how to make this a part of your one-to-ones or communication. If you don't have one-to-ones, then we need to talk about that. But then let's try to integrate this into your group conversations or team conversations as well as, uh, as well too. Yeah, that's interesting that you raise the, I don't have time for that argument because I, I like to say, well, if you don't have time for those conversations to get to know people and understand them, do you have time to solve the problems that are going to result from not doing that? So it's just a matter of perspective, I suppose, about where you spend your time. I'm curious about what's happened in the last year in workplaces and in terms of people's ability to continue on with their job crafting and the experience that employers have been able to create for people who are now working remote where they once might have been in an office. So what are you seeing in terms of changes that have happened over the past half a year to a year? I've seen the need for this, for personal empowerment and accountability grow, but the opportunity for it decrease, which is, I don't, it's, it's really strange to see how now we're in environments where we can work and dictate and decide all around time, how we work, when we work, who we work with. And I know it's limited because a lot of us are in lockdown and can't do what we normally would do. But then at the same time, I've seen an increase in micromanagement, you know, over communicating, a lack of trust from leaders to their employees, a lack of trust from employees to their leaders. And a lot of cuts have happened. A lot of, there hasn't been a lot of transparency where there, where there should have been. Um, and also, you know, there's, there's an opportunity now in this virtual global landscape to bring in um, external resources and to add value and growth growth and development to employees to show that you care. And so a lot of, there's, there's a lot of opportunity right now to build trust and to build greater levels of accountability with employees. And I don't, I don't see it happening as much. I see too many meetings. I see uh, too much kind of big brother spying. I see too much uh, lack of transparency, a breakdown of boundaries. And it's kind of scary because, you know, some people, think that there aren't a lot of jobs right now, but I've seen more movement from my clients and from my social circles than I've ever seen before because people are just really unhappy with the reactions of their organizations and their leadership during this time. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I, I had initially wondered at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, it, it really became a reality for us um, here in Vancouver in Canada, um, like early March, 2020 was when we really moved into the work from home mode as did most of us who could Um, and I actually wondered what was going to unfold with people's mobility and people making career moves during this time Um, and was really surprised by the number of my peers who were actually moving around 
Um, and I'm in the tech industry, so obviously I see a bit of movement from an industry perspective. That doesn't surprise me because that it is one of the more mobile um, industries. But it is interesting that people have really been um, sticking to what they want as individuals, despite the economic volatility. Um, and I'm sure that you've observed things like that as well from where you are in, in your part of the world. Yeah, and I've mentioned the issues within organization and leadership, which have kind of pushed that forward, created that momentum. But I, I have to also say that whenever we have something traumatic happen to us, and especially when we don't have the opportunity for distractions, which is what's kind of happened, we're more within ourselves, then we start looking for a victim. We start looking to blame someone or something for how we feel. And so I've also seen a lot of people probably mistakenly blame their organization and their employer and use this as a, the solution is leaving. The solution is finding something else. The solution is moving. The solution is starting my own business, which all, some of them, you know, they could be right. But a lot of times I'd say, well, let's really examine this trauma. Let's see if you can craft your job right now. If this you know, lack of boundaries and this lack of routine that has now impacted everyone where now they're just, everyone's uncomfortable. Like, is there, is that the right answer? And to take a second and stop and say, okay, am I, am I really making a decision based on the right motivations? Yeah, 100%. And I mean, obviously those of us who have that mobility and who have the ability to confidently make a change during a, a hard time, you know, that's a, a a place of luxury in my opinion and you know I personally feel like I've had some opportunity come out of this pandemic that has given me the chance to continue to craft my job to be able to work from home full-time and live in a an area that is was previously inaccessible to me because I had to commute for three hours so um, you know there are definitely some things that I've embraced as benefits that have come out of a hard time that I'm very sensitive about talking about because I know that it hasn't been that case for many people um, that being said I, th I think there's a degree of courage that you need to continue with your conviction to stick with your job crafting and maybe you can talk to us a little bit about what are some of those qualities that you think are needed for someone to really thrive at crafting their job well and just quickly the other two pillars are social context so who you interact with who you like working with who you don't like working with and adjusting to that and then the meaning that you feel behind your work so the what sparks you what impact are you making? What impact do you feel your organization is making? What passions do you have? And are those able to be at least perceived through the work that you're doing? It doesn't have to always be the actual work that you're doing, but perceived through it. And a lot of times if we tell ourselves stories of resentment and negativity towards our job, then the meaning tends to just dissipate because it's, you know, now we have a different story that we're reading from every single day. So a lot of times people have to flip the script a little bit and have to let go of some of their judgments to be able to reconnect to the meaning that they feel um, because it is an emotion. And so to craft your job, you have to feel empowered. So if you are in an organization where you don't feel safe and really any, anything that relates to job satisfaction and motivation, if you don't feel safe, if you don't trust your organization or your leadership, then it's not going to be possible. Uh, you can try but you're probably not going to have the confidence or feel empowered enough to try to craft your job. 
And so in those instances, I always say, well, can you deal with the worst that can happen? Like, can you deal with losing your job? Is that an option for you? And if so, then okay, free reign. If you don't feel safe, then how do we feel safe first? And how do we focus on that? Um, that's the secret. Because if you have trust and you feel safe, then you can you feel empowered to have the conversations that you need. You feel empowered to build the relationships that you need. Um, so that's the foundation. I don't know if you you want to dive into that at all, but that's at least the first step. Yeah, and when you say feeling safe, do you mean things like feeling confident to take risks, um, feeling like you can go out on a limb and suggest to your manager that, oh, you find this quite interesting, you'd like to explore this part of your role, would that be okay? Um, do you feel empowered to say no if you're asked to do something that you don't feel is part of your job crafting? Um, is that the kind of safety or, that you're talking about, which leads us more into the psychological safety realm, right? A hundred percent. You're you're hitting the nail on the head. If you don't feel like you can say no, and you don't feel safe, you feel like you're going to lose your job, you don't feel safe. If there's a lack of recognition and there's negativity and criticism constantly, you're not going to feel safe. I mean, so during those times, you know, like I mentioned, you need to prepare for the worst. So that means, can you get ready to find it? And if any, if you are in a situation where you don't feel safe, I feel like this needs to happen either way, even just because you should feel safe in an organization that you're working at. Everyone deserves that. Uh, but so document everything, you know, plan financially, start job hunting. There are opportunities out right now. Uh, connect with others, realize that you're not alone. Um, a lot of times if you build champions in other departments cross-functionally, that really helps as well. So get into the spotlight outside of your department to build to greater relationships that can vouch for you. Um, when we don't feel safe, we usually also blame our leader. And so we have a story towards our leader that isn't productive. And so a lot of times if we try to lead up, drop the story and treat our leadership as a guide or a mentor and ask for advice instead of, you know, just having this negativity towards them that can lead to some productive conversations and changes in trust. So I think a lot of people tend to worry that they're going to lose their job if they set boundaries. And I think that's just a mistaken belief. And so that requires you to say, okay, where am I feeling drained? Like I don't have to take this call at eight o'clock at night. Um, what meetings are really negative and uh, where are the main instances where I'm losing touch with like positivity, where I feel like I've just exhausted and fatigued because if we continue to let that happen, we're going to get burned out. And then all of a sudden it doesn't matter if we feel safe or not, because we're just going to quit. We're going to run away. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of what you're talking about here really makes me think about life design as, you know, our work is one part of the rest of our lives, but the way that we build the workplace and the, the type of job that we want to do has an impact on the rest of our lives. So, you know, all of the, the you know, the, the picture that you've been painting around, if you're not in a space where you can make those choices or confidently um, make a decision or um, have the relationships that you need that will support you to make those choices. Um, it really impacts the rest of your life as well, right? So it's really about whole life crafting. If you want to start, you know, expanding it out, it, it starts to become a much bigger conversation than just about your job. Um, yeah. I, I don't know, what are your thoughts about that? When I work with clients, one of the first activity that we do is a visioning exercise. And it's not a visioning and what are you doing for work? It's okay. So you've retired. What is your life like? And yes, work is a component of that, but also we have to take a look at what your life is like. I mean, your values, there's some research that 
says that there's a differentiation between work and personal values. And I'm of the belief that they're merged. There may be some different weighting of those values within work and within life, uh, but they are the same. And I don't think we can plan our professional career without actually taking a look at what we want our life to turn out like. You know, how, what do you want your family life to look like? Where, where do you want to live? Uh, where do you want to spend most of your time? What sort of impact do you want to be having on the world? And how does that align with where you are professionally and what you're doing professionally? I think that's really important. So what if you're not in a position of choice to make these job crafting decisions? What's one step someone could take to start getting closer to the place where they are actually liberated enough to be able to craft their job? So there's a little, there's um. A need of autonomy, as, as you're kind of hinting at, for people to craft their job. But the two pillars of social context and meaning, those you can do at any position. You can build relationships with people that you enjoy, that you feel aligned with. You can distance yourself from people that you don't enjoy working with. And you can perceive the meaning from your work. You can set affirmations, you can set an alarm in your phone, you can just connect with your work in a way, in a way that helps give you meaning on a daily basis. And that could be meaning in terms of this helps me make money, which allows me then to take care of my family or allows me to do X, Y, Z to then, or also just this meaning is attached to my future career path, or this meaning is attached to the impact that it directly has. So meaning can be flexible, right? It's just how we perceive the world. And that's, that, that can be changed based on what we need it to be. Uh, the actual work, sometimes that is a lot harder to craft, right? Because our job sometimes can be our job, but we can also in a more enjoyable space so we can actually craft it in that way so what do you truly enjoy doing and, and you do have some sense of autonomy to be able to change your environment to be best fit for you now let's say you feel completely at loss and you don't know how to craft your job or you don't feel empowered to craft your job then it's saying okay let's take our perspective and, and work a little future forward let's ensure that we have the life that we want now the lifestyle that we want so we're not feeling drained on a daily basis we're not feeling exhausted We've instead built some boundaries to feel good. And now we can look forward and say, the job that I'm doing now is crafting my path to be where I want it to be in the near future. And you don't want to solely work for the future because then you're just losing the presence. Uh, but so if you can create at least a livable, enjoyable moment today, it doesn't have to be best fit for you, best fit in terms of your professional path where you want to be right now, but it's leading you somewhere, right? So you're going towards challenges, then that is something that anyone can do at any point in time. Because I think sometimes career expectations are, I need to be where I want to be right now, instead of seeing how the skills that you're building today are going to be impactful and influential for the future. Because those skills then can sometimes build relationships with certain people, or you get involved in certain projects that then become notable. And it's all building upon itself exponentially, which is why CEOs are you know, usually older, or why successful entrepreneurs are usually older. I think this version that people have of young success is a little misleading. Uh, there's a great book called So Good They Can't Ignore You, and it talks about this concept of career capital very, uh, very much to the point where it says, you don't know what you're doing right now is going to create for you in your life. Um, it's okay to have some idea, uh, but value it completely and try to make the most of it. And job crafting in a way tries to make the most of, our, of your career, but to make the most of it in a way that best suits you. Yeah, so let me ask you, we talked about the individual over the last few minutes. Um, 
and some advice for people who are thinking about crafting their job. But let's talk a bit about team leaders, managers, people who are leading teams. What should they be thinking about to really get out of the way for people to actually craft jobs uniquely and authentically in the way that they want to? So what should leaders or managers be thinking about to help support people? Remember this acronym, TEAM, T-E-A-M. So use the TEAM model of management to motivate. And TEAM stands for trust, environment, assignments, and meaning. And it kind of goes along with what we just spoke about. So you need to build trust. And one of the greatest components of building trust with your team is communication style. And so are you transparent? And are you communicating, I'd say three to one in terms of positive to directive? So are you, and I say positive and personal to directive. So, you know, if you think about, if you're a parent, I'm not a parent, but uh, if you think about the way that you communicate with with children. Like when I was a kid, my, my mom used to yell my name. I used to thought I was in trouble. I used to think I was in trouble because whenever she would yell my name, it meant that I was in trouble. So if you're a manager and you're a team leader and speaking to your employees and every time you talk to them, it's for directive or criticism, then that's the type of culture you're going to create on your team. It doesn't build trust. So I'd say really focus. If you want to focus on one thing to build trust, it's communication. Be personal, be transparent, and have a greater rate ratio of communication that's not just directive or criticism. The environment, the assignments and meaning just goes along with the pillars of job crafting that we discussed. But as the leader, your role is to build an environment around that employee that best suits them, despite their willingness to craft or not. What resources do they need to do their job? We're all at home right now. Do we have video cameras? Do we have microphones? Do we have the, the technology that we need? Do we have the internet connection that we need? So if they have the resources they need, they'll feel satisfied, motivated, empowered. What customer issues do they have? So this is the environment they're dealing with every single day. Do they feel empowered to solve them? So talk to them, see what their solutions are, have them problem solve. What the environment also includes a social context. Who are they engaging with? Are you instigating and facilitating opportunities for your employees to engage with one another in a way that is not just about work? and cross-functionally, is that potentially, is that one of their goals to connect with people across the department? And so you can mold each one of these pillars of job crafting to, to be um, instigated, right? Through your style of a leader. I wanted to ask your opinion about mistakes that we make when we're trying to craft our jobs. And I'm sure there are some pitfalls that we should avoid. And Maybe you could share the one that you see the most across your people or, or leaders or folks that you're coaching. I'm pulled to say the greatest mistake is to not feel accountable. Right? But in terms of job crafting, I'd say the greatest mistake that I see is a lack of challenging of one's own beliefs. A lot of times we get programmed in terms of what we expect our career to be or what we expect the job to be. And so we lose sight of the value that's in front of us. And that tends to be the biggest roadblock when it comes to crafting our jobs. And so I'd say before you even start trying to craft your jobs, you start examining some of your career expectations and your previous judgments of your job itself. Especially if you've been at a job for a while and are feeling kind of stuck, I'd say start questioning, you know, when did you start feeling stuck? Is it the job or is it your perception of the job? And how can you let go of that to craft from a more positive space? 
Awesome. Well, I think that's good life advice just generally, isn't it? And as we spoke about earlier, the decisions we make for our jobs really impacts the rest of our lives, right? So it's, um, it's important that we're thinking critically about how we spend our days and time working. Yeah. And disclaimer, have some fun. Have a lot of fun because again, if you're set on professionally growing, you're going to evolve. You're going to get somewhere else. Jobs are not our career. We're supposed to have multiple jobs. So have some fun along the way. Make sure that you're playing, smiling. Well, that's a really good note to end on. So hopefully our our listeners will take that and uh, actually put it into practice and have some fun while they're thinking about these potentially hard topics, right? So thank you for the time today and for sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of People at Work. It would mean a lot to us if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. The more reviews we get, the more people discover the podcast. Also, don't forget to subscribe to ensure that you don't miss an episode. You can do this wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can reach me at bev at jostle.me or find me on LinkedIn. Until next time, take care.